Oof, quite a heartbreaking loss. I've had to swallow a lot of cope this week. I don't know about you guys. We're talking about the Buffalo Eats poll, right? Oh, that, that, yes, that. And the Buffalo Bills heartbreaking loss. Josh Allen laid it all on the line, and they, they couldn't quite make it in the end. Oh, did a sports ball happen? Oh, here we go again. No, nah, it sucked. That sucked. I mean, the game was sweet. I, I'm not mad. But, but there's some good that, that has come out of all the pain. One, the first thing. Um, looks like fans elsewhere. Um, who'd they play again? That would be the Kansas City. Oh, Kansas Chiefs. City. Kansas City fans, and I think Giants fans because Brian Dayball went to, to and, Coach and Shane. And yeah, and okay, they started. They they've given up thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars to Josh Allen's charity at the Children's Hospital. So that's pretty good. I want to ask you guys so that we've got enough listeners now where we're gonna fuck up some way and get canceled, right? Right. Absolutely. Yes. So when we fall flat on our face. When we eventually have a major fail, what do you wish would come of that? I, I that we get a Macy's pizza named after us. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be cool. Right. What What would be on that Macy's pizza? Uh, cigarettes for me. Cigarette butts. <laughs> Cigarette butts. Yeah, because uh, we're getting canceled. So right, we're like, getting canceled. So it's it's not the it's not uh, the, it's, it's not a good pizza. Right. That's the stuffing and the stuffed crust is ground up camels. Oh man! Wow. I bet it's good. You know, they do everything so well over there. I bet our ground-up camel cigarette butt pizza from Macy's would be just, just phenomenal stuff. Yeah. My wish is that we land lucrative jobs at Turning Point USA. Ooh, okay. Because we'd be making way more money than we yeah. are now. Yeah, if you're, and if you're listening. Just a full heel turn. Ooh. If you're listening, I'm, I'm, remember, I'm already halfway there, you know. I'm, right, I'm basically <laughs> Joe Rogan libertarian. <laughs> right. At this point, so if you're listening, Turning Point USA, just back, back up the Brinks truck, baby. Let's go. Let's do it. Nah, we're we're too we're too good for that. We're not cancelable. We're no, we're we're good. beautiful geniuses. We're above that. We are above that. We're the best. We're the bees knees, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna you know just keep being good boys. My so, my favorite version of bees knees is the mutts nuts. The mutts <laughs> nuts. That's good. That's a good album. Chubby in the gang. There Look we go. Up. Hey. <laughs> So we had Brian, like like I mentioned, we had Brian Dable going to, and this is not the sports podcast, by the way, but it's been a Bills heavy week. Bills heavy. So week. we're just going to open with. We're it. We're going to get it out of the way. Brian Dable going to the Giants. Is that good or bad news? For who? Is that a, for for the Bills fans? Is that a positive to come Whatever, out of? It? I don't know. Sure. I don't give a shit either way. Whatever. Fuck it. Fuck it. Whatever. Let's go to just go to the episode. Wait, there's there's one more thing. What's the other thing? We've got a potential local candidate in Brian Oh yeah, this is, this is actually real. Well, yeah. it's not real, but it's yeah. it's really funny. Yeah, so, <laughs> it's, real, so, it's real funny. So we found out a few weeks ago that he's still there, there's still a special place in his heart for Buffalo fans and he's there with his shirt off screaming. Local political candidate Ryan Fitzpatrick he would clean the fuck up wouldn't he well he probably well it depends I mean he might it depends what he runs as like if he runs as like a Joe Rogan libertarian in yeah. like Niagara district I don't know that he's he got my well. vote <laughs> would someone from Harvard go Joe Rogan libertarian absolutely yes yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely have you met Ted Cruz <laughs> I mean, no, this is, uh, there's some letter to the editor, like the Buffalo News, yeah. and some guy's like, oh, man, you know, we love Fitzpatrick, he should come back and run for office, and it's just insane. And like, Sounds this, like a random tweet, but it was in the fucking Buffalo News. Right, and, and, the, and the person was like, like well, you know, just think of like how Jack Kemp was nonpartisan. I was like, motherfucker ran for vice president as a Republican. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Nonpartisan Jack Kemp, well. All right, Ree, what do you think? 
I don't fucking care. Sure. Yes. You know what? If we're just going to have celebrities doing shit all the time, it's going to be sports guys eventually that are going to dominate. Like as, as our, this is my big spiel, but as our, our, our country becomes more and more obsessed with celebrity and, and, and puts that under the spotlight. Sure. Sports guys are going to be fucking president. Dwayne, the rock Johnson is going to be running our country soon. So let's lean into it. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's go. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. County executive Fitzpatrick. Oh yeah. That is a nice <laughs> ring to it. Yeah. Are you telling me that Ryan Fitzpatrick wouldn't clean up in South Buffalo? Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. He oh, clean yes. up. He clean up in most of the districts, but definitely in South Buffalo. And welcome back to the square. We have Jim Diamond Jim Diamond Jim. Yeah. We have Ryan, aka Snake Snake. We have Re. Just Re. No. Should no. we get into the Diamond Jim thing? Uh-uh. Okay. No, we don't. No, don't explain it. Yeah. That, that takes the that takes the the mystery out of it. But. A man of no mystery, but a lot of legend. Back on the show, in person this time, our beautiful boy, our boy, Rusty Weaver. Thank Russell. You. Oh, my goodness. I heard that Jeff Kelly was on again last week, and I couldn't let him beat my record, so I, I had to reach out and come back. <laughs> Rusty, where, where are we introducing you from this time? Are, are we introducing you from the same old... Yeah, say, same. Cornell old. Research Institute. Yeah, um, pro- probably here as a private citizen because I don't want to get canceled either. Right okay, <laughs> okay. We just want to make sure we attribute you properly. Well, Ru- Rusty's on this week because he's a Pittsburgh guy, and it's big Pittsburgh news week. Uh, Roethlisberger collapsed a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you know, I, I heard that was planned. It, it just so happened that Biden was in town to talk about infrastructure. So. And Roethlisberger's got free time on his hands now. Right, so, yeah. I mean. Let's let's talk about the bridges, boy. Let's talk about infrastructure. Yeah, you know that we got it on the big board here. So you mentioned it. the The bridges are falling apart everywhere. All right, Brandon is bringing down the bridges. He wanted to have all the trucks go over no weight restrictions. So then a big old bridge fell in Pittsburgh, and now now everybody here justifiably is saying. What about our bridges? What about our infrastructure? So, so Jim, help me. What's going on in the world of infrastructure news? I, I do want to talk about this Pittsburgh bridge real quick. Like, it's crazy. Like, somebody reported to 311 in Pittsburgh like five years ago that the, the X was rusted through. And all they did was put up a cable and they were like, yeah, yeah, this is fine. And, and like having worked with like members of the DPW and DOT in New York State, the county guys are great. All the guys I ever worked with in the county are ph- phenomenal. Some of the state people, I got some questions about. Oh, okay. And I can see the state just like being paper like, clips and yeah, duct tape, or just just uh, yeah. you know just get some of that uh, camouflage duct tape out. <laughs> yeah. That way you can't see it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, right. Explain the joke, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's amazing? What's amazing, by the way, is like I, if I had to hazard a guess, probably half the bridges around here are are in the same shape as that Pittsburgh bridge. Well, I mean, the weathers, the winters are not are not nice and easy on bridges. No, I mean, and salt's bad. Salt's, salt's bad. bad sand's not good. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know that they're like they just as, redid the viaducts on the uh, two ninety. So those are done at least. Right. I feel safe on those. I I just uh, as soon as I get out on a bridge, I hit the gas and speed. That way, if the bridge does start to collapse, hopefully I'll launch myself in the air like the, and like, uh, a, like a rock movie or something. Right, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been so long. Like, and this is a nationwide problem, obviously. But I mean, it's just thinking around here, even like it's been so long since we've seen any sort of investment in the infrastructure of you know, roads, bridges, etc. That this shit is cr- literally crumbling to dust in mm-hmm. front of our very eyes. 
and it's not getting better anytime soon. Like it's not, they're not going to fix themselves certainly. And, um, I, I, other than a shit ton of money being dumped into it, I don't know what the answer is. Right. No, no. I mean, it is a shit ton of money. The only bridges that I can think of that I know because I drove them regularly have been done. Anything's been done the last 10 years is all the bridges on the 400. And so I have to give oh, that right. I have to assume that that's because like up until a couple of years ago, the Republicans controlled the state Senate and Pat Gallivan was just funneling money into his district. Mm-hmm. You know, I would drive the 400 on my way down to the Cuba base camp and uh, those bridges have all been redone. Rusty, you're you're a, a Pittsburgh guy at heart. What uh, g- give us give us your well and, and you care about infrastructure, I suppose, too. But what uh, what's what's your take here, man? Are we just are we fucked or is it going to be something that, you know, could be mitigated or what? No, we're fucked. Um, I, All right, I, that's it. Call it a day. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's kind of hilarious that Biden goes to town the day that a bridge collapses and says uh, they'll redo every bridge in Pittsburgh. Have you ever been to Pittsburgh? It has more bridges than any other city anywhere. It's not going to happen. I mean, if we can't find the money to keep something like a child tax credit going that's lifting half of our, our nation's kids out of poverty, um, we're not going to find the money to, to fix all the bridges. Not great. What if we put the Department of Defense in charge of all the bridges? Yeah, that, that would be great. So if uh, you know if children were, were headquartered at the Pentagon, I think they'd be okay. <laughs> if bridges were headquartered at the Pentagon, we'd be in good shape. Well, moving on to a little bit more local infrastructure, the 33. They they wanna Jim, they wanna turn it into a tunnel. They wanna they wanna put it underground. We've talked about this before. That's that's the state's plan. That's the Governor Hochul's plan is make it a tunnel. Our friend Robcat has pointed out. I thought out, they were going to bury it. They were going to put push a bunch of like sand in there or something like that. Well, th- that is one of the that's one of the points that somebody else is trying to make. Uh, I was making a joke. But oh, it, I'm no, glad it, it's a serious point because it should be. Uh, no, it, uh, India Walton and yeah. and then and Rob um, yeah. have been saying like, no, the correct thing to do is do what they did with like the inner loop in Rochester, which yep. is just get rid of it. Right now selfishly i drive the 33 like twice a week yeah i don't want to go anywhere that's why i drive but also like at the same time like i can be like i get it like objectively like get rid of it it's trash it divides neighborhoods like i don't know i could drive straight genesee street into the city i suppose well speaking of getting rid of uh uh roadways there they're getting rid of i-81 mm-hmm. so governor Hochul said and they're, they're replacing it with a community grid i believe is a plan i don't know the specifics of the community grid but we don't have to have all these shitty roads that are just cutting stuff off. You know, it's it's doable, right? I mean, uh, I mean, especially the one ninety eight is is a real egregious. Oh, that, that thing sucks. Get rid of it. Um, I'm tired of it. In fact, I saw there was a study that said the one ninety eight actually makes traffic worse mm-hmm. than if it was just at at grade road. Mm-hmm. Fine, let's get rid of the one ninety eight. Like, you know, we for, or or you know what? Like they should do. Like the city of Buffalo is so hard up for money. Why don't they ever enforce the speed limit on there? I mean, they don't come close to enforcing the speed limit. Oh, no, not even close. You're, everyone's going 50 down that road. Right. And you know what? I would enjoy looking at Michelangelo's David for a longer period than just like a few seconds driving by. I just want to gawk at that. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is a great sculpture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got Councilmember Scanlon saying like, you know, well, we can't pull the... I just can't believe Michelangelo was here back... <laughs> Well, back that long ago. Well, it, oh, well, it was and and Donatello and Raphael <laughs> and Leonardo. They are all here. That's right. They were they were they were here again filming a movie. Right. Right. With Master Thirty Three. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, that's that's why we can't cover the 33 is because what if they're going to do another Turtles movie? <laughs> yes. Well, now, wait a minute. If we put it in a tunnel, then it'd be underground. Then we kind of like the oh, sewers. Yeah. But I don't know if you can do explosions underground like that. Oh, that's a good uh, one. I don't know. Well, th- we'll do it anyways. We'll do explosions underground anyways. Maybe maybe uh, if we get a tunnel, then we can get a, a Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, just real quick on the 33. Um, yeah, Rob Cat, Rob Galbraith pointed out, like, right now the, the line that they're kind of putting out there is, oh, well, environmental concerns about the roads and, you know, things in the air, toxic things, whatever, could be alleviated by having the, the tunnel like having the 33 grow underground, even though the New York state department of transportation explicitly said there are no environmental benefits to the tunnel. Why are they trying to pimp out this line? What's what's up? My guess is that they're just looking for a huge construction boondoggle that they could throw a lot of money in. And, and Kathy Hochul can, well, there's that. Why not do it? Why not make do a subway? Happy. Do a subway. Yeah. No emissions. Put a train out to the fucking bill stadium. Sure. Sure. Why not? Why not put a train? You know what? And speaking of trains, out to we're, we're jumping all over our little whiteboard today, but who oh, cares? Yeah. Speaking of trains to the Bill Stadium, uh, Jeff Kelly last week uh, was on the show. And if you didn't listen to that episode, you should listen to it after because Jeff is great. But you're, you're here now. You're stuck. You're stuck with us mm-hmm. uh, in, in the future. So bear with us. But Jeff had the uh, the article come out, the three piece, uh, the three part series in Investigative Post about the proposed community benefits agreement uh, with the Buffalo Bills and the stadium funding, and uh, that's being spearheaded by April Baskins it, it, with with other partners. I, I believe the Partnership for the Public Good is involved, and, and there's a lot of uh, different stakeholders who are coming up with it. What kind of things are the community members here looking for from the Buffalo Bills? Because as of right now, they're playing with house money, these Buffalo Bills. All right? You go, you lose a big game on national television. Now you're coming looking for, you know, a billion dollars for the stadium. Right. And and they're going to get it because everybody's, you know, got a six-foot hard on for Josh Allen right now. So uh, people... You're telling me you don't? I don't give a shit about football. He said everybody. <laughs> right, I, yeah. Everybody. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I'm everybody. Yeah, right, okay. No, I mean, they'll get it because people are... are killing themselves over the bills right now. Yeah. But this, the community benefits agreement, like, you know, as is pointed out in this article and, you know, uh, Chairwoman Baskin brings up, like, the closest uh, metro stop, like, bus stop to the stadium is two miles away from the fucking stadium. What the fuck? That's we, ridiculous. What, and I can't believe. What are we, Los Angeles? Yes, I, 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 I just don't understand that. I guess there's nobody that takes public transport to the to the stadium. Well, and the other happen. thing is like and and you know Rusty tell me if I'm wrong here, but if we want to have any positive economic impact from a fucking uh, football stadium, the only way to get it would be some sort of CBA community benefits agreement because that would be an actual investment in the community as opposed to this fucking monolithic structure that was going to get used 10 times a year. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um so another plug for Pittsburgh when the Penguins built their new arena, there was a community benefits agreement that hired a lot of uh, local folks that put a grocery store in because it was a, a, a food desert. Um, I mean, it wasn't a perfect agreement, but it's a model of it being done in a peer city. Yeah, and the article in, in iPost, um, and you should you should read it, not just because Jeff cites us, you know, even though you should read it because of us, but you should read it because it's great. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of awesome detail about what. Uh, April Baskin and the coalition are, are looking to push forward the CBA. So 
for the actual during the construction period. So commitments they're looking for from the Buffalo Bills. So what they're looking for from the Buffalo Bills to give back to the community. Like, hey, we're going to give you a billion fucking dollars for this goddamn stadium. I don't want to hear, oh, well, the 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 Bills bring in so much business for the local bar owner. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the fuck right. up. For the one fucking yeah. bar right across the street from the yeah. arena. Uh, Congratulations, yeah. Kettles is popping. Yeah, like, right. yeah. Uh, There's one down the street. Maybe we'll give them two, right? Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Like, no. They want all of this. Your tax dollars at work. Okay, your tax dollars should go towards things that are actually germane to the community, not just Tara Pagula's bottom line. All right? So, April Baskin and, and the group here is proposing... For the construction, 50% of the value of construction contracts to minority and women-owned businesses, 30% of construction hours to workers defined as disadvantaged based on household income, 15% of construction hours to participants in in an apprentice program, half of them from disadvantaged households. So really, it's like, hey, we're going to be building this fucking stadium. Our community should get some equity in it, mm-hmm. in the actual construction of it. And, and the people in our community who need it the most should have some measure of equity, not just whatever cut rate fucking shitheads that Terry Pagula can find to, uh, to put this up, you know. Right, right, yeah. Instead of just like you know, a truckload of scabs. That we actually get like that some of the people who are going to make some of the money that the the state and the county are going to put in have a chance to over the course of, you know, it's it's good. The stadium is going to take a year, 18 months to build. That's enough time for somebody if they get a decent paying job working this to actually maybe make a change in their lives. Um, because they get a decent paying job for that amount of time you in order to, in order for that to actually happen you have to make sure you're targeting those people who will it will make a change in our lives as opposed to just finding some shithead from orchard park and having them work on it well rusty you mentioned pittsburgh having a cba i mean this is becoming more and more commonplace throughout the country that municipalities are are, are waking up a little bit to the fact that these agreements that they generally have with the sports teams that they're subsidizing are, are pretty bogus and the community needs to have more investment if you if you have a stadium in buffalo you need to benefit buffalo and you need to benefit the people who need it the most yeah and i mean it goes beyond just construction because that's short term even if it takes you know a year or two years to build that's relatively short term so then who's going to be working at the stadium long term who's going to fill those jobs um you know even think about indirect impacts so you get a shit ton of traffic for a game like that a ton of cars idling emissions right build a green space demand other things that are going to improve the community long term beyond just the one or two years when it's built well and and from the ipost article here again so baskin's proposal also includes post-construction commitments including 30 percent of retailers vendors and service companies at the stadium should be minority or women owned and half of those should come from disadvantaged zip codes Greater diversity among the sheriff's deputies and private contractors who provide security on game days. It's a really juicy tidbit here. Currently, only two of the 146 sheriff deputies in the division that works the stadium are people of color, according to Baskin. Kind of crazy. Does that that percentage match the local demographics? Well, they don't get into it in the article. (laughs) Public transportation to be within a quarter mile of the new stadium. Listen to this. To be provided by the NFTA, the team, or both. Currently, the nearest bus stop is two miles away from the fucking Bills Stadium. It's bad. It's sick. uh, Encourage all that uh, private vehicle use out there. And, you know, tailgating, that's that's not going to affect your ability to drive home, right? 
<laughs> it's never affected my ability to no, drive home. Hell no. No. I, I mean, it, it, anybody who's is going to be affected uh, by tailgating for like 12 hours and drinking for 12 straight hours is probably going to drown in that ditch like that other guy did. <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> too, too soon? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, give to the ACLU or canceled. Well, so pie in the sky. Wouldn't it be great to take, if you, if you live somewhere downtown or, or wherever, take a train out to the stadium, have like... I don't know, a beer garden for tailgaters. Mm-hmm. Get as drunk as you want, take public transportation, and walk the rest of the way home. Wow, wouldn't that be a dream come Sounds true? Sounds magical. Well, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, wouldn't that work wonders for the environment as well? I would think if so. If there was a park and ride, and you could just take a, the, the metro down there. Right. Or, like, even if you couldn't get the metro, maybe if the bus didn't stop two miles away. <laughs> That's just so crazy, That's man. That's so bad. Like you're you're the uh. the Buffalo Bills team. Yeah. If you are taking tra- transportation from Buffalo to see the team that has your fucking city on it, you have to walk two miles, probably in the snow. If it's, it, it's well, I, well, I was just thinking like that fucking Patriots playoff game where it was like negative four. Yeah. Could you? And now that's assuming that game was at night, so that bus probably doesn't run anymore. So you probably can't take the bus to a night game anyways. But if you could, could you imagine walking two fucking miles in negative four degree weather? <laughs> I'd be brutal. I'd be frozen in place. Oh, God. What a... Yeah. So here's here's hoping that, you know, we can get something out of the Bills. And and my God, like, we, we just can't let these guys... Like, they've been held, holding us hostage for at least 30 years mm-hmm. on whether it be like, hey, the Bills are going to leave town. All right. Bend us over the barrel and, you know get all the tax incentives you want or just again they're playing with house money and it's just about time that we the house gets back some of that money please so it's is the stadium going to be owned by the county and the bills play rent or is it rent free that i don't know i hope i hope ended up happening is that they end up pulling like a phoenix counties on us where they stop paying rent and we have to kick them out and they have to go I don't know if you guys have seen this with the Coyotes yes um, but uh, the city of Glendale is going to kick them out of the arena so they're negotiating that they're going to play at Arizona State University's hockey <laughs> arena which only seats 5,000 people I haven't seen this so that's, they, they probably still wouldn't max out capacity so I want I want the Bills to get kicked out and have to go play in East Aurora <laughs> at the high school probably have a bus stop around there <laughs> you know speaking of transportation it's almost like I just, I just want to rant for a second because it seems like the NFTA just does not want to succeed. It just, it just seems like they're always doing themselves in. They don't want to do little things like park and rides and and, and transportation to sporting events or other events that well, would and, actually make them money. And and they announced this week more cuts to services. Yeah, they're paying uh, they're paying their drivers shit. They can't they can't find drivers. Right, that's why they're cutting. Right, all these they, routes. They, yeah, they they can't find drivers for for some reason. Sixteen thirty three an hour isn't cutting it when you can make eighteen dollars an hour at fucking McDonald's. I just can't wrap my head around it because other other cities of of similar size are doing okay. Other sit like public Rochester is doing fine right. with with public transportation. I I don't know how to fix it. You've got some real dunderheads over there. Yeah, I it, you know I don't know what's going on at uh, at the you know NFTA headquarters, but. It certainly doesn't seem like it's in the public interest. Maybe it's a bunch of Ron Swansons. Well, speaking of Dunderheads, fellows, so we, we've got, uh, you know, they, they haven't gone away, these anti-mask, anti-vax people. 
and uh, they just seem to get louder and somehow stupider. It's it's truly truly a sight to behold. It's true for me, but I am not anti-vax. Right. Well, we all get a little bit stupider as we get older. You know, it just kind of happens. But, man, some people uh, here in Western New York really have their fucking brains rotted out. But... How about in Williamsville, Jim? They had they had a little bit of clarity. Well, it, Williamsville is just just tremendous. The, the village of Williamsville here. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, so the village of Williamsville they they weren't wearing masks. The mayor and a couple of trustees weren't wearing masks during the village meetings. So the Erie County Department of Health fined them a whopping three hundred dollars. Steep. Now I know I know the you know the poor village of Williamsville that that <laughs> economically downtrodden area. Yeah, yeah. Three hundred dollars is tough to scratch together. They're, take, they're taking like the soda pop bottles <laughs> to the recycling, trying to you know rub the nickels together to pay this. Right, right, and and you know because it's so economically depressed in Williamsville, you know they're not drinking like name brands like Pepsi and Co- they're drinking like Fago. Oh yeah, Fanta, <laughs> yeah, RC maybe. Right, yeah. So no, so the the village, the the mayor and two trustees. Uh, the deputy mayor and another trustee voted to fight this $300 fine. They were going to hire an attorney for, who, I mean, Todd Aldinger, I'm sure he, he's a grifter, so I'm sure he was going to charge him five to $10,000 to fight this $300 fine. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He is Princeton educated. Is that- uh, oh, yeah. If you ask him, he'll tell you. Okay. He, he <laughs> Just wanted to, wanted to be sure. He, I, we can't legally mention his name without saying that. I right. Think, right? right. <laughs> I like how he implies that he went to law school at Princeton. Spoiler, Princeton doesn't have a law school. Oopsie doodle. Uh, but uh, so <laughs> they were going to fight this $300 fine and probably pay ten grand to fight it. However, the one trustee said that they got so many phone calls from the public basically saying, listen, you piece of shit, don't pay $5,000 to fight a $300 fine. Just pay the $300 fine and wear a fucking mask. Yeah. That they changed their vote. And they and the village of Williamsville is just going to pay the three hundred dollar fine, and they're going to have uh, hybrid or remote meetings instead of in person meetings. Yell at your elected officials; it works. Yeah, just yell at them, shout at them. You're fucking moron. You t- you say it enough, then eventually they'll listen and, and wise up a little. Maybe here's the hope. But um, you know, speaking, we're, we're on the we're on the shithead faction of the world here, Jim. No bigger shithead in my for my money than one Pete Harding. Oh, I mean, his his father Warren G. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> wow, that's a that's an age gap. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, no, uh, Pete's one hundred and seventy eight. Oh, really? Yeah. He looks he looks good for that age. Yeah, that's true. He does look good for that age. Oh my god. Well, no, uh, <laughs> Pete Harding, uh, and shout out to a friend of the pod, Jay Swick, for, for hipping me to this. But he, he kind of went uh, viral in the Western New York parent community with this article on, I'm not even going to say the what I guess I got to attribute it, but rumble, rumble.com, everybody's oh, favorite news, rumble. Yeah. everybody's favorite news source, rumble.com. Right. Let's get ready to Pete Harding. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, basically, Erie County Department of, Com- of Health Commissioner Gail Burstein admits on a Zoom call, it's from this article here, that took place on Thursday, January 20th, that Department of Health guidelines and advice are stopped immediately. Um, announced the advisement of blah, blah, blah. The, basically saying that removed all guidelines, that New York State Department of Health has removed all guidelines, not true, for every school in the state, and that the schools are left to employ their own mitigation strategies on their own. Also not true. Um, so, so basically, this 
fucking asshole is the definition of fake news and and propagating this because there was a state supreme court ruling against the masks which was then quickly overturned by a higher court right is that well it was it was given a stay it was given a stay i mean that's how all this court stuff works like i don't like anybody who heard the state supreme court make a, a ruling and goes oh well this is it that's 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 obviously what's going to be happening uh either they're like four years old and they don't understand how it works <laughs> mm-hmm. or or they're just being a disingenuous prick sure well i, I know where you camp this guy falls in uh but speaking of speaking of pricks <laughs> and speaking of shitheads here we're, we're gonna be uh we're gonna be short one last coming to buffalo here soon oh. fellas yeah i know and Snake, I know your little heart is broken. Yeah, I had tickets. I was ready to go. We made reservations at Applebee's beforehand. Mm-hmm. You, you and, get the uh, two for twenty discount. I, yeah, right. date night's over. Yeah, uh, I I just want to listen to that that one Leonard Skinner song that he did. No, it was it was a mixture of Leonard Skinner and Warren Zevon. Right. It? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was fucked up. Yeah, Kid Rock has canceled his his proposed Buffalo concert. Also, there was supposed to be a, con- a concert in, in Toronto. Basically, anywhere they're enforcing mask or COVID uh, mandates, he has canceled a, a tour date there. So I know all our listeners are very heartbroken about Kid Rock. Not I, yeah, I mean, I, so, I, I know the four Kid Rock fans in the area are really upset about this. Yeah, we're going to be severely lacking in fake working class um, politics and, and music, mm-hmm. Confederate flags on yeah, trucks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it it hurts. Wasn't he raised as like a multimillionaire or something? Oh yeah, like he 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 grew up rich. Yeah, yeah for sure. He he very, he's very much in like the George W. Bush like, oh I'm just a yokel kind of guy, but actually comes from like a really yeah well healed, well to do. Right, right. Like if 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 George W. Bush instead of running for president was like I want to play role like cosplay Joe Dirt. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's pretty accurate so pour one out or not whatever for fucking kid rock not coming to buffalo let's get let's get back to we'll we'll get we'll have a little bit more uh uh candy in a second here but let's get into a little bit of meat about this redistricting stuff jim we got any any movement on this uh no uh, the there is the state democrats uh came up with a a map for the federal for the congressional seats Mm -hmm. to my surprise uh, I mean, certainly, um, it looks like the Democrats are going to play for blood. All right. Uh, you know, it's I mean, clearly, Democrats are uh, Republicans. I mean, have been doing this in other states across the country. Oh, yeah. uh, the Democrats are doing it in a, in a way that won't probably get overturned by the courts. And that like courts have just said that it's OK to gerrymander political parties as long as you don't dilute the voices of uh, dem- certain demographics in doing so. The Democratic map, it's not like it, it, it puts all African-Americans in one district or uh, all Asian-Americans in a district. No, I mean, it, it gives them pretty equal representation, uh, but really hoses Republicans and gives them like two or three seats out of the entire congressional district uh, mm-hmm. delegation in New York. Rusty, you're you're our, our districting guy. You know, you're, you're somebody who's for a long time been working at least here in, in Western New York um, to, to advocate for more equitable districts and, and districts that make sense for, you know, disadvantaged communities, communities of color, et cetera. Um, what are you thinking here with this? Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Cool. Yeah. So this is the first time we've had the independent commission draw the first set of lines. 
I mean, the thing about that is they don't have binding authorities. So there's really no teeth to the legislation to put behind them. So they, they put out a map. And if it doesn't uh, go the way the legislators like it, then the legislators draw the map. And so that's kind of where, where we're at right now. Um, I mean, at the congressional level, like Jim said, it, it's an interesting proposal. We might see a, a few gains down the line. But where things kind of get crazy is, is with the state and local stuff. There's just been really no movement on, on what's happening so far. Um, you know, driving down to the city level, we were supposed to have a redistricting commission announced back in August. That hasn't happened yet, to my knowledge. So there's a lot of uncertainty. It's certainly going to play a role in who decides to get into a race and who doesn't because you don't know where the boundaries are yet. Yeah. Uh, I, so interesting. Real, back, real quick on the federal map. Um, the pr- current proposed map that the state uh, legislature has, the state assembly has in front of them, basically gives Western New York two congressional seats again. Yep. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, Nate, 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 Nate. Uh, Feel it. Feel it in my bones. The Nate Mentum. um, You know, as Rusty was talking about, like, the local redistricting, like, it's redistricting also includes, like, all the way down to election districts. Those poor sons of bitches at the Board of Elections, like, fucking petitions are supposed to come out next month. Right. Like, not only do they not know what, like, the council districts will look like or what the state assembly districts are going to look like, they don't even know what the election districts inside each different municipality are going to look like. And it's a committee year, which means you need those election districts because people will be running on based off of the election uh, for committee. I mean, everything's fine. I'm sure the people at the Board of Elections are probably not losing sleep over this. <laughs> not at all. I mean, well, seriously, what's going to happen? Like, look, if... If they don't come up with something soon, what is going to happen? Oh, they'll come up with something. It'll be it'll be all fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, what ten years ago, um, because there was no agreement on a, a three judge court had to draw. Right? Yeah. So that might happen again. I mean, it could. It's. I'm not saying that that's where it's headed, but that's what happened last time. It could happen again. Maybe uh, we should get some crayons and take it upon ourselves to draw some districts out. Uh, I mean, and the square podcast. I think let's you know, let's come up with the proposals for the county legislature. Okay, we could we could do based that. on our favorite shapes. Yeah. yeah, like you know, there's that famous earmuff district out there in the mm-hmm. world. Like we could we could do better than that. You know, it's not an earmuff. Yeah, well, we we know what it is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but we could do we could do better. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Uh-huh. We, I think we're a lot more creative, a lot more talented. We could, we could come up with funnier looking, definitely more phallic. Mm-hmm. looking districts sure mm-hmm. or maybe we could channel our georgia o'keefe you know right oh that'd be great no i think i think there should be equal parts dick shaped and vagina shaped districts right yeah absolutely so right. let's get on that yeah that's if, if we give joe larigo just a giant vulva <laughs> for his district <laughs> maybe maybe a pair of boobs jeez <laughs> oh, that'd be a great district though you know. right Woo. Uh, no, it's, no, it's the redistricting. Like, like this shit. Like, we're we're literally weeks away from petitions coming out, yeah, and no idea what these fucking districts look like. I mean, and we're joking, but like, we literally like they're, they're just going to be throwing fucking darts at the. They're, no, they're they're going to do it last minute. If they, or if they don't do it, they're going to have judges do it, which means that some law clerks are going to be drawing up maps, and they don't really give a shit. That's not why they went to law school. So they're going to just jam something and they're like i guess this is what it looks like now 
right? And again, this boring shit that prob- probably makes you want to roll your eyes back in your head is actually important for who represents you and and what kind of shit happens in your district, right? I mean, so it actually matters to your life. All of this nonsense is actually has real impact on your day to day life, which sucks. God. So hopefully they figure out something. Hey, hey, everything's gonna work out in the end. We just gotta have positive thinking. All right, boys. Just good, good vibes. Yes, good vibes. Good vibes. You are the you are the good vibes representative. Mm-hmm. I try. I like, really do. I, I don't care if no one's ever voted for you. You are it. De facto. Hey, what can I say? You know, I just I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of the people's vibes. Yes, is what I am. You know, you know what's not a good vibe though when you go to the Buffalo news and you go to their, their Twitter feed, you go to their website and you're looking for some hard hitting journalism and investigation. You know, you're looking for just real, real stuff. And, and then you go to click on the link and it's about a sports betting line. It's about FanDuel giving a promo code being put out with the same sort of, uh, uh, you know, journalistic gravita as, uh, as the lead pipes in the city, being full of lead. So the Buffalo Guild, the venerable Buffalo Guild, has a problem with this because it goes against their collective bargaining agreement, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So so what's the issue here? Well, basically that they're sharing sports betting website promo codes and deals as actual news articles. Yeah. So it's it's being it's being pushed out, being pumped out as actual content and news, which again, wouldn't you be fucking embarrassed? <laughs> like, do you not have any shame? Are they owned by Sinclair Broadcasting now? Is that is that the deal? I, I, <laughs> I, more or less. I think there's basically. I think there was it Lee Enterprise. Lee, Are they still yeah. the one? Right, right. But I mean, it, it, they're, they're it turning some area. They're, they're turning into like a BuzzFeed. Yeah, fucking listicle ass newspaper. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, I mean, if I want real journalism nowadays, I have to look at Step Out Buffalo. <laughs> Friends of the pod. <laughs> um, Friends of the pod step up, Buffalo. No, we, um, I mean, look, who am I to poo-poo anybody in their sports betting? I, I'm not quite a degenerate gambler, but, you know, I did I did lose $20 last night on the Sabres covering. What the fuck? They had no goalie. Craig Anderson, 27 <laughs> saves. Fuck you. Yeah, they, they had, what, six people get pulled off the ice in the morning skate because of COVID. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? You dog shit Phoenix Coyotes. <laughs> Trash ass. Oh, God. But but my gambling addiction Gotta aside. to him. Yeah, sure. Fuck him. My gambling addiction aside. Come on, man. Nobody wants to see that. Like, I... I don't. I, I know it's going to get the clicks. I know that's what gets the revenue. And I'm, I'm sure tired of seeing the ads on TV on the internet. I'm just tired of the the betting. Well, it, here here's my thing is that is that the Buffalo News is now doing these like you know Caesar Sportsbook gives you three hundred dollars as an actual article. Become a Caesar. <laughs> Become a Caesar. But you know, fucking a graphic novel like Mouse gets banned in, in school libraries. Priority, Jim. Right. Yeah. I mean. What has a better ring to it, Jim? Become a Caesar or become a mouse? I mean, what kind of mouse? <laughs> I mean, Minnie in that pantsuit that is driving Republicans nuts? Oh, no. Oh, there's yeah, that's right. There's more cartoon drama on, yeah, yeah, I mean, on, on the Fox News realm. Yeah, it's a fucking Fox. It's Republicans. Oh, oh, snowflakes. As soon as Minnie, the, Minnie Mouse fucking puts on a pantsuit and they lose their fucking gourd. You know, now that you bring it up, by comparison... Advertising sports betting in in a news venue probably more newsworthy than that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, probably has more integrity than Fox News. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, fucking Tucker Carlson. Fucking Tucker Carlson. Oh well. Well, you, don't don't besmirch our future employer. 
Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Tucker Carlson, if you are listening, we will sell out. Yes. And and again, back up the Brinks truck. We will we will say everything here and, and reverse it. Right. <laughs> if, if you like if you like this, you know, we, we can do it the other way. I'll heel turn like nobody's business. You I'll know, I'll nearly break my neck. You you've got you guys have gotten like so wedged into the progressive community here. You could pull off one of those like Project Veritas <laughs> things, like oh. go in and, and start to secretly record uh-huh. and then, uh-huh. then yeah, leak it sure. out. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're blowing our cover, Rusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. watch it. Yeah, Diamond Jim O'Keefe. <laughs> <laughs> Diamond Jim. Diamond Jim. Diamond Jim, everybody. <laughs> the listeners have no idea what this is about. <laughs> I, I had to sit through like a 12 message fucking thread between Jim and Ryan about the, the history of Diamond Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I look at my phone. I have like forty missed messages from these two talking about Diamond Jim. Diamond Jim Fortuna. He uh, he is a. You know, he started out as a public defender. He went into. See what, what did I tell you about so, the mystery? No civil. Oh, well, there's more to it. I just want to give a brief, mm. brief history on Diamond Jim, mm. public defender. Not public offender. Yeah, that too. Probably. Uh, <laughs> not near. Not allowed near schools. Civil rights attorney, but now he's getting into personal injury law. Right. Yeah, no, the the legend grows of, of <laughs> Diamond Jim Fortuna. Well, speaking of nonsense, so we talked about some hard-hitting topics this week, but this this is the one that really, it, it gets the closest to home for me. This this Buffalo Eats poll on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. The, the Buffalo Eats tournament. So if you're, not, if you're not in the world of Twitter and you just listen to us, I don't know how you found us, frankly, but if you did, uh, there there is a uh, website called Buffalo Eats. You know, they... You know, you know great, what they great do. Great blogger, great blogger. Love Buffalo Weeds. Yes, we love them. We love. I will Buffalo say, Weeds. friend of the pod. Sure. Oh yeah, uh, Seltzer Mom. You got is it. Friend, is is part of that. So yes, they are friends of the pod. We love we love what they do. They have their annual Twitter poll where they'll do like a, a you know a NCAA style basketball bracket, and then you vote for the different dishes and. This year's winner is Barbill's uh, Cajun uh, butter barbecue wings whatever sure but there were some real miscarriages of justice along the way in the polling what what's your guys like biggest offender of your sensibilities here oh my god i just gotta call it out it's it's like the ted's footlong hot dog beating anyone on that list because it's the same fucking hot dog you can get at wegman's and grill yourself on your charcoal grill uh what the fuck i i agree like that that's pretty egregious uh to me it was now look look I'm not, I don't want to throw any shade at the Maybach Stinger sub. It's a fine sub. It's a fine sub. But it, there's not a chance in the fucking world if you've ever had that and then you've also had the black sheep sticky toffee pudding that you'd be like, oh, the Stinger sub is definitely a superior entree. Probably item. the best dessert in the city. If if, if it isn't, it's top three. It, it, I, for my money, it is the best dessert in the city. Uh, it is it is one of those things that like I have people who come from like major cities out outside of buffalo and uh, even if i get if we don't go to black sheep to eat we'll go to the bar and get the sticky toffee pudding just because it's that important that's it's that incredible of a dish that you can get here sure now i know like i i have like some homerism there because i like it so much did i expect it to win no did i expect it to get out of the first fucking round yeah of course I, I gotta say, I I have publicly said that I don't really care for Carbones. However, I did try their sweet sauce pizza. It is very good. So, congratulations, Carbones, for becoming not a fucking trash heap as you were probably 15 years ago when I last had your pizza. That being said, 
One, the sweet sauce pizza beating out the Dirty South taco from Lloyd's. Are you fucking kidding oh, that's me? Not, that's insane. I'm sorry. Come on, I'm man. Sorry. That is... Well, uh, also, like, I have, I have a problem with, like, three of, like, the last, like, four or three, our last eight were fucking chicken wings. Like, we're mm. being a... Like, at this point, it's like a self-parody. So predictable. Right, yes. like... Uh, yeah, I said, like, you know, rather than order, like, like one of these sets of wings, like, and not like... Look... Elmo's and and nine eleven and f- fine even fucking Barbell like the wings are good yeah. but like I'd rather vote for like those classic dill pickle slim jims over those things right now <laughs> just to be a little different right yeah I mean come on just to, just to show that we have a little bit of fucking who, range who beat the Teuton Nashville chicken sandwich oh, that was Carbones oh my god no there's no way. No, there's no fucking way. way. There's no way. Uh, by the way, I didn't see Imperial Pizza on here at all. Have they just like, has that gotten emeritus status in their little poll? Uh, no. Sure. Is that the South Buffalo and me coming out? Who's to say? Rusty, if, if you were to have a, an entrant in, in uh, this, you know, this food, Buffalo food uh, poll here, what, what would be your go-to? What would be the one that you'd be like fighting to the death to defend. Yeah, I, I've always been a backer of the 9-11 wings. And what's even better, that that's an all-cash establishment. So you go oh, yes. someplace and, and you say, oh, I didn't bring any cash. And then somebody else has to pay for them. Even better, you get free wings. Right. But the 9-11 is the reverse of, I went to a Sabres game a couple weeks ago for the first time in years, and they don't take any cash there. That's right. 9-11 is the inverse of the Sabres arena. And, and, and how much enjoyment you'll have with your time <laughs> while you're there. And whether or not they take cash. Also, it's exciting if you go there and they're actually open in their posted hours. Right, right, yeah, that's true. Right, yeah, because they nine eleven tavern for longtime residents of the city of Buffalo may remember uh, there was a Cajun restaurant on Allen called Lane Yaps. That's yeah. great. And it was great. And your chance of finding it open was like finding like the door to Brigadoon. Like, <laughs> yeah, I used to live in Days Park right there where I could see over it. And so I knew when they were open, so I could just run down. And not, so 9-11, they, they lost to the eventual winner, uh, Bar Bill, which, you know, whatever. I mean, Bar Bill's wings are obviously very good, but 9-11 has the best wings I've ever had in my life. And that's... Not an exaggeration. It's true. They're the best in the city, in my opinion. Yeah, they're the best. Well, I mean, wing nuts. Wing, wing nuts is, is number two in my, now, right now. Wing nuts is number two. Those things are huge. Yeah, they're big. Those are humongous wings. Mm-hmm. They are massive wings. They, but they're oh my god, they're so good. There was a. I'm trying to scroll back earlier in the poll. There were a couple other upsets along the way, but either way, uh, we've got good food here in Buffalo. I, I'm with you, Rye. A hot dog getting so far into the mix. Fucking hot dog. Right. The hot dog shouldn't be anywhere near. Hot that dog place. made it further than like I don't pick anybody beef on black except for Charlie the Butchers because yeah. their stuff is trash. Plus but we like, got like Frank's gourmet hot dogs. You telling me that like, none of their hot dogs made the list? But right. Frank's foot long. You could literally buy at Wegmans or Tops. Made the list. Forget about it. Right, right. Also, I think based on the bracketing, um, they did they did some folks dirty. Remedy House, you know, they lost to the Dirty South Taco. Remedy House is a number three seed. Dirty South Taco is number eleven seed, which is kind of crazy to me. I'll just say, uh, but but I'm a huge fan of Remedy House. It's kind of my go to. Yeah, Remedy, ha- Remedy House is great. Dirty South Taco is definitely underseeded. Uh, yes, yes. Bread Hives, Aaliyah sandwich versus Mr. Sizzle's Butter Burger, which, you know, again, those are two strong, strong contenders, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and they just got paired way too early in the in the tournament bracket. So. I, uh, I have a real quick uh, bread hive story. Oh, okay. Uh, so I used to live on 17th Street, and uh, right, right around the corner from bread hive. And my nephew was helping me move into my apartment on 17th Street. So I said, all right, well, I'll take you to bread hive, and I'll get you something for lunch. 
And now, if you've ever met my nephew, he, he takes a long time to make decisions. And when when confronted with the chalkboard at Bread Hive with all their different sandwiches, it was just too much for him. It was way too much. Mm-hmm. So af- decision paralysis. Right, yeah. After literally five minutes, I said, you, you have to make a decision. What do you want? And he goes, I'll take the Rihanna. And I was like, well, first of all, it's pronounced Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> second of all, that's a breakfast sandwich. They don't serve them anymore. So we just wasted five minutes for you to pick something that they don't have. <laughs> Oh, no. How, how long did it take him after that? Uh, I just said, you know what? I'm going to order two different sandwiches, and you can grab one of them. Oh. I'll take the Rihanna. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, Buffalo Eats, if, if you're listening, we should have them on the show. Soon. Yes. We should, we should yell, yell at them directly about we people should, voting in their poll. And we should do it at a restaurant. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, it, I mean, let's, let's go to Moriarty Cafe. Oh, hell yeah. Moriarty Cafe, Ooh, that's that's pretty good. I'd l- I'd like to interview them on my on their own. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if it, hey, anybody's listening, if you think there's like an establishment or a business we should be talking to, by the way, hit us up because you know we want to talk to anybody. We we love we love our our restaurant owners. We love uh, we had Roy Backus from um, Cafe Godot earlier mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, about a year ago. So we really I know we do a lot of like the political nonsense around here, but we're, <laughs> me at least me personally, I'm actually more interested in like the the food and the culture and the life stuff here. So please let us know. But since we do talk about the political nonsense all the time, we might as well have just beautiful genius experts on to talk about it. So, Rusty, you, my friend, you are the data mapping man extraordinaire. You are, and I'm sure if you did this Buffalo Eats poll, by the way, you'd probably see it correctly too. You're that good at <laughs> data year. mapping and Next analysis. <laughs> no, Rusty, talk to us about this unbelievable. I, I was looking at it before we started recording and like the data mapping stuff for the Buffalo Councilmatic districts that, that you put together. Um, I mean, this is like a crazy resource. First off, talk, talk to us about what kind of data was or wasn't really out there before? Like what, if you were, if you were somebody who was trying to investigate, let's say poverty, the poverty levels, or, you know, look at racial disparities in the city of Buffalo and the councilmatic districts, what, what was out there? What kind of resources? Yeah. So, um, it's kind of where this all started. I did a, a data open forum, a virtual thing kind of at the start of the pandemic. So almost two years ago now, um, just giving examples of of sort of like what my unit did, but more generally, it was an open invitation to nonprofits, activists, grassroots organizations um, that need data for to support their work, whether it's grant applications or to make an argument. And so, one of the examples that that I went over is if you did want to say lobby a council member for some you know specific policy that you're looking at, whether it's language access or what have you, you can't just easily go to a website and pull that data at the councilmatic district level because the data are collected you know, generally from the Census Bureau. They're put into these geographies that are just created for convenience to uh, make sure that people remain anonymous so that you can't identify anybody when you start to look at information. Um, and so I gave an example of taking that data and migrating it into councilmatic district boundaries to summarize it. And I got a, an email. I, I can't, uh, apologies if you're listening. I can't even remember who sent it um, a little bit after that, asking if I could put together something that would um, you know, summarize relevant indicators at the council district level and make it interactive, make it something that they could just go to and, and pull on so that they didn't have to do all of this analysis on their own. Um, and so I, I kind of punted on it up for a little while. I waited because new d- data were supposed to come out from the Census Bureau. Um, that's been all pushed back. And so I finally just took the initiative and, and did it. 
And it, it involves, uh, I won't get too technical, but a method called aerial interpol interpolation, where you're taking this data that's collected at these different units, moving it into units that you actually care about that are relevant. And then I just put all that together in, in maps and sort of point and click menus so that if you're interested in poverty, unemployment, what have you, at the district level, you could go in and take a look at it. And so I, I put it out there and, and apparently some people found it and liked it. No, I mean, it is it is phenomenal. Like what a... It's it's so crazy that you can live somewhere, and like live in this like even just the city of Buffalo itself. You can live here, and yet be completely just like not in the loop about what's happening. You know, like whether it's hey, what's what's the poverty like? What's the rate of poverty in the Lovejoy neighborhood? Well, I know it seems pretty bad over there. Well, you look and it's like almost like what fifty six fifty. Eight percent. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's pretty bad all the way around. And so that's. When I was having a conversation with a colleague, um, maybe Friday of this past week, um, and they asked, "Well, well, don't you care what the council members are, are going to think? Putting something out like this, it seems so negative." And I said, "It's. I, I mean, <laughs> you can't just go on fucking thinking that everything's okay, right? If it seems negative, then that's a, a reason for action." Well, and the flip side of this, right, is that. Again, a lot of these shitheads just are, are, are so narrow minded where they're going to think this is an attack on me. What it really is, is an opportunity. You could turn around, use this data, which yeah, you probably should have been trying to collect yourself in some way before city of Buffalo. Let's be real and get it out to the public. But now we have just this well-meaning person dropping manna from heaven in their laps to say, hey, if we need grant funding from the federal or state government, here is this really handy little data map that we can point to and say, yeah, our district is, you know, this much at the poverty level. It's it's all right there for you. I, how true is it that you just did this so that Joe Farrelletto could dunk on the other members? <laughs> That or Scanlon, right? Because right. South comes out pretty glowing. So, in that. Yeah, South looks but, pretty uh, good too. No, so I, I was actually trying to time it. I, I didn't have my priorities straight enough, so I had some family stuff going on last week. I was trying to get it out in time for the, the vote on good cause legislation at the council level because, I mean, Buffalo is a majority renter city, and so know, know your district, right? Here, here's the fraction of households in your district that are renters. Here are the fraction that can't pay their rent that are cost burdened, and I just didn't pull it off in time. I, I was about 48 hours late. And, and getting it together. But now, um, you know, that did go down 5-4, it passed. And so now there's hopefully a resource out there to say, hey, we, we did the right thing. Um, this is something that we need to pursue. Now, do you know if there are, like, are other cities that have this kind of data mapping model that you put together? Or is this something like, are, are you kind of creating the mold here for this? I don't know offhand. I, I, I mean, what I did is by no means perfect. It's just what I could do quickly. So um, always happy to, to take feedback or suggestions going forward. But I, I've been trying to put a, out as many of these little resources as, as I can as possible. Earlier in the week, right before that, I put out something too on the distribution of non-citizens across Buffalo, uh, trying to argue for the fact that non-citizens are the reason why the population grew in the city of Buffalo decade to decade. And we're here celebrating that, saying, hey, we had population growth for the first time in 70 years, but you're not letting the people responsible for that vote and help shape the government. And so I, I put together another little sort of interactive portal so districts or neighborhoods uh, could get to know the, the population of non-citizens there. So yeah, I don't know what other communities are doing this. I know New York City has a lot of stuff that goes on like this, um, but yeah, my skill set's kind of limited and narrow, so I put together what I can and just toss it out there and hope it sticks. Right. And so it's interesting you mentioned the non-citizens voting because um, that's... Uh, Nick Langworthy and the state Republicans are making a big deal out about this. Uh, but historically in this country, for a long time, 
of voting wasn't tied to citizenship, but to residency. Correct? That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I put out uh, something that could put you to sleep on this. It's probably about 15 pages long for anyone who's interested. But I, I dug into it a bit. And, and in fact, I drew heavily on there are scholars out there, historians uh, that have been studying this for years. But we have a longer history of, of this country of, of non-citizens voting than non-citizens not voting. Um, for basically the first 150 years we were a nation, states and territories everywhere allowed non-citizens to vote as long as you are a resident of that community. And even when citizenship started to become a sticking point, um, I, I mean, there are other experts you could interview. We have a ton of great immigration agencies locally you could have on to talk about this, but the path to citizen, citizenship is rough. It takes a long time. Um, and so one way that some states got around this was that you could declare your intent to become a citizen over time and then go cast a ballot. And you know, you live in a place, you get to elect the representatives who represent you. Um, it, it's a fair thing. So that whole myth of one person, one vote, it doesn't happen that way in this country. It's basically um, one citizen, one vote. And so we would neglect this you know, large community that in Buffalo right now, again, we're celebrating because they're, they're pushing our population forward, um, but we don't give them the same rights as everybody else. Yeah, and, and again, um, you know, the uh, non-citizens um, being the reason for the increase in population, it makes me think, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's some shithead lawmaker in Tennessee who wants to, who's proposed that um, they move all non-citizens from Tennessee to Joe Biden and Jen Psaki's hometowns Um, because like, you know, if you guys think they're so good, you should have them. And uh, I saw somebody point out on Twitter, like, well, Scranton, Pennsylvania, where Joe Biden's from has had population loss for like the last like seven decades. So they could probably use the people. I'm amazed by this stuff because one, my mind doesn't work in a way where like I could ever put it together. Um, in a in a visual representation that's interactive like this, um, so I I know personally like it it creates it, you read this stuff in papers or you know on the internet and again the the classic we talk about this all the time your eyes glaze over tongue rolls in the back of your head you know you're like oh well, I don't know but then you see it on a map and it's like hey here's the poverty rate in this part of Buffalo here's you know here are the citizens that live here and it's clean and it's presented well. And you can do stuff with that. You know, like you could activate people. You can really get people to be invested and care more in their community the way you present the data and the way that you're telling the story about what's happening where they live. Um, so I, I think just what you've been doing, Rusty, is just so, and, and, you know, you, there's a qualifier when you say something so important, what you mean is boring and I don't care, but I'm glad you're doing it. I think it's actually cool as hell, very interesting, and also I love it and mm-hmm. keep it up. Yeah, and, and so a call, open call to the listeners. Anything else that's relevant like that that's not mapped or not well well accessible, let me know. Um, you know, that's one of my big roles in, in what I do is trying to democratize that information so it becomes usable. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it would be interesting to see, uh, not to give you any work, but uh, interesting to see, it, now that we've got this for the councilmatic districts, if we could do something similar for the county ledge districts. Yeah, we could. So, um, you know, back in August when the census data came out, the 2020 census data, I put together another sort of interactive thing that just showed population change. Um, and I, I made that so that you could filter by councilmatic district or ledge district. So I have the architecture in place. Um, so, yeah, it's possible. I started at the, the local level just because, like I said, I was trying to get it uh, going in time so that it might have a, 
a play in, in this debate over good mm-hmm. cause, but I, I didn't get there. So it, you, you just wanted to thumb Ulysses Wingo in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's had said some questionable things recently. <laughs> Has there been any um, council members or is there, is there any political figures who've gotten in touch with you and said, hey, this is great or hey, go fuck yourself? <laughs> I'm waiting for the latter. Uh, no, I, I not not really, but I've had a, a lot of the local grassroots organizations have reached out and, and said that they're finding it useful. So that's good enough for me. If you're listening, and I, I, I encourage all of our listeners to go, um, where, where can they find this stuff, Rusty? What's the, uh, I know your Twitter feed is at Rust Belt Geo. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the digital stuff, um, it's stored at highroadpolicy.org is the URL for it. You'll find most of it there. Um, we just launched in cooperation with the New York State Library. They funded it, a statewide digital equity map too that basically shows where people don't have good access to internet, where it's too expensive, where households don't have plans at home and things like that too. So um, hopefully that can help direct some of the funds that are coming in to increase broadband capacity. Is, is there anywhere where you've seen your work shared that you're like, oh, wow, this is... I guess it's just out there for the world and maybe you won't even know if somebody is influenced by what you put out there. But was there ever a point where like you put something out and somebody used it for something? You're like, holy shit, I, I am having a real world impact. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't follow it that, that closely, but um, our, our should be mayor India Walton quoted me uh, uh, not too long ago using the councilmatic district tool. So that's, that's always kind of nice to see. Yeah. And, and my sincere hope is that more elected officials and, or, would be elected officials really, really sink their teeth into this. And again, whether or not you like what you're seeing, use that as the opportunity to, to make that community better. Right. I mean, you know, look, um, I wouldn't, I'm not the first person to, to look at the, the data and the maps that you put together, Rusty and go, this is really good. If you want to cause a primary, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, somebody on, on Twitter said, um, yeah, you know, the interface is laid out where you can select a district, and uh, they said select a district kind of sounds like um, a heat-seeking missile for the uh, the election <laughs> season. And I mean, you maybe again, I'm here as a private citizen. Maybe you can think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's so funny too because like you, even if you live in a district and you know things aren't great here, but it just kind of is how it is. But then when you see what the actual, you know, rate of poverty is in that district and you see like, oh, this is how it is. We live in abject poverty. That's that's what it is in this district. Maybe we can do something to mitigate that. Maybe right. It was something to change it. Yeah. I mean, especially like if you live in, say, like, you know, Mitch's district and Fillmore, like if you live in like the Allentown part of his district, you may you know, I mean, Allentown, you know this, Rusty, you used to live there. Right. Allentown now in 2022 is vastly different than it was in 2007. Yeah. You're actually somewhat distanced from the life of poverty living in Allentown nowadays. Right. To So to see how poor that district is, that just means that like, the rest of that district is totally fucking broke, is 100% abjectly poor. Like, you know, that, that part of what's traditionally considered Fillmore is is got to be just incredibly depleted. That's right, and so that that actually connects back to the other conversation too, because that's where population is growing, right? And it's growing in a certain demographic group. Um, and so, if you do want to start to change those conditions that you see, if those indicators aren't positive, um, and that there there needs to be some change, then we need to empower the people that live there to make that change. Because I mean, it's not going to come from the top down. 
a, a lot of your research, Rusty, is is very much focused on like the renter class here in Western New York. What's what's the story that we're seeing? Is is it like more and more we're becoming more renters? The population of renters is growing. That, yeah, that's a na- uh, nationwide trend, but here it's it's also pretty punctuated. The fact of the matter is young people are just saddled with debt that previous generations didn't have, that wasn't there. And so this whole intergenerational comparison, like kids these days, right, they just can't save up and buy a house. Fuck no. I mean, housing prices are five times what they were. Uh, I mean, if not more than what they were, at, you know, when that prior generation was buying households. And so this is just a, a problem. And then uh, who can buy those houses, who can come in with the cash offers, which we see in increasingly in the city of Buffalo um, are, are people from other states that have made a lot of money that are super affluent that come in and see it just as an investment. Housing is just an investment to uh, to a lot of people that buy it up. And so if it's not returning a profit, then um, it gets passed on to somebody else who's going to squeeze it even more until it, it, it becomes profit making. And so that's really the dilemma with housing in the type of market system that we have. Housing always has two functions. It's a dwelling. It's a, a verb where people actually live and make a home but it's also a noun, right? It's an investment. It's, it's a place where you, uh, you know, seek, seek to branch out from the stock market to make money. And we kind of prioritize that latter one in this, in this country and in, in this economic system in general. And so because we prioritize that, we start to see it explode and increase because that's where we, where we put our, our policy frameworks and that's what starts to grow. And, and so that leads to a lot of problems. Well, I've got my pitchfork, so where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a leader, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a data nerd. But <laughs> he, he tells us, oh, maybe you should build pitchforks. <laughs> maybe you should get pitchforks together, not, not where they should go. Don't forget the torches. Torches, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I am a geographer, so I, I could point out some directions and, and maps, but maybe, maybe that's something for off, uh, off the mic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Save that for your Communist Party meetings, Rusty. Yeah. Thanks for joining us here, Rusty. We always love to have you, man. It's always it's always a great time. One, I always have fun. But two, I also feel a little bit smarter um, every time. Well, before Rusty leaves, I want to ask you. You mentioned the the should be mayor. What do you? We haven't talked to you since the mayoral election. Oh, do you have any shit? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? I, I do. So. Um we're recording on Sunday. I think my my final piece that I'll be writing for a while on it will be out. Um, tomorrow, um, Monday of, of this week, um, I, I gave it to the an organization that everyone should go donate to, the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, CELDF.org. Um, they're based out of Pennsylvania. They organize to fight corporate power and to basically have people take over their communities and to be able to make decisions for themselves and to have community-level self-determination. So go donate them, check them out. But yeah, I'll, I'll have a piece up on their website probably tomorrow um, that, that presents sort of my final take on the mayor's race, at least for now. Um, but, but I did sort of the same statistical analysis that I started with for the primary just to see who voted, where. And I mean, you've talked about this before on here, but I'm, I'm happy to sort of go into more detail. Please. The, the, yes. flip, the, the, the script really flipped, right? So during the primary, um, India won because she generated high turnout in young, uh, mixed income, uh, you know, semi-affluent neighborhoods, you know, Elmwood Village, the West Side, she won in North Buffalo, um, and she was really criticized for not winning on the East Side, not winning in the working class communities of color that's, that make up the majority of Buffalo, really. Um, 
And in the general, it didn't happen that way, right? That's where she really won. She cleaned up. Her message got out there. People realize, working class people realize that her her platform is what resonated with them. Uh, she won, by my statistical estimates, um, handily, like outside of any margin of error, the African-American vote. Um, she won the youth vote again. She won renters, right? The city, again, is majority renter. She had a lot of pro-renter policies and, and um, a lot of policies, uh, proposals that, that were meant to benefit working class, unpropertied individuals. Uh, so she, she won in those areas. I also found that she won probably the majority of Democrats. So it was you know a lot of, uh, again, right-leaning voters that came out and pushed uh, the right-in candidate over the edge. And so the neighborhoods where she won in the primary, she lost most of them in the Elmwood Village in North Buffalo. And then just, of course, the sweeping, uh, if you want to call it a red wave in South Buffalo that came out. Um, and that's kind of what, what sank her candidacy. Um, but, you know, that being said, the, the you know, article that I've coming out says, look at it optimistically, right? She won 41% of the vote. Um, a self-declared socialist coming out um, with this huge negative campaign against her tons of resources put into it and she still won 41 percent of the vote and she created a base that sort of transcended that main street divide that went from the poor on the west side to the poor on the east side and so that shows that she really you know connected with voters who have that people power who are the majority of people in this country in this city uh, the disempowered working class and now it's time to harness that right you know, movements aren't won or lost in elections. You can't vote your way to systems change, but you can organize your way to systems change. And she started that, or at least she helped. I, I mean, the the organizations that got behind her have been doing this organizing work in the city for years. And now we kind of saw all of that coalesce and come together. And so there's real potential right now for, for some big changes. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about it so much on here, but I, I it's still worth saying, like, it's still worth looking at it that, a black woman, self-described socialist, won the city of Buffalo Democratic mayoral primary. Like just, just yeah. fucking straight up won it. Like that, that is a feat. That is a that is an insane accomplishment that I don't think that I would have ever even fathomed even a year ago that right. it would have been possible. Yeah, and, and and look, in order to defeat her in November, it took a coalition of uh, a certain segment of the Democratic Party. Um, the entire Republican Party, the entire Conservative Party, um, and and, the, and some of your crazy like Federalist Libertarian uh, individuals who don't necessarily aren't members of any of those parties but do have similar voting interests to get together and join forces in order to defeat her. That's quite the coalition that, that you can't expect is going to show up for every election. The only thing that I, I constantly think of back, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, is that the Republicans don't do anything for free. So what does Byron Brown owe them? Mm-hmm. For, for sure. And, I, and I'm sure we'll find out more as time goes on. But I mean, certainly the potential for that message to resonate and, and you know, continue to be pushed is is there um whether it's india walton running again for mayor whether it's another candidate and again too like we, we've talked there's so many different factors to this with whether you talk about like the police really showing like flexing their muscle as an electoral block i i certainly am of the belief that a lot of what actually sank her candidacy in the end was sort of the uh, the police revolt against her the message is there like it's it's not going away. The economic conditions aren't going away. And it's really, like you said, Rusty, the organizing is the most important thing. What, one election, whether you win or lose it, okay. Like, it sucks to lose, but at the same time, 
what was the process, what was the result, and what is the ultimate messaging that's coming out. And I think that's starting to shape, take more shape and make more sense and, and become a real viable path here in, in Buffalo and Western New York. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's... Um you know, from here it turns to direct action. And so it's about building that uh, civic and social infrastructure now outside of, of government since she doesn't hold the office um, that that's going to uh, you know, compete for legitimacy with the way things are. And, and so, um, you know, whatever she can do to, to sort of direct her base to make good on some of those campaign promises of expanding community land trusts, worker co-ops, the, uh, the types of institutions that are going to, um, you know, be able to, to start to mitigate some of the inequality that we see in the region. That's what's going to make the difference. So now, so where is that piece coming out? Is that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the community environmental legal defense fund. They okay. do sort of like a newsletter uh, blog type of a deal. So it's, um, they asked me for a thousand words. I gave them 3000. So it's, uh, <laughs> right, they, right. they cut it back pretty significantly. So I will post the, uh, uh, the unedited extended version of that at some points next week too. The Zack Snyder cut, we yeah, call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Release the rusty cut. <laughs> well, thank you um, for joining us again. We will uh, we'll, we'll obviously retweet and get um, get that out there once it gets published, Rusty. And um, just it's so awesome to have you on the show. One because you're our friend. The, for full stop, we just like hanging out with our buddy yeah. and and talking. That's that was the whole mo of this podcast is that we're all friends and we just we do this shit anyway. Mm-hmm. So we might as well do it in a medium where other people listen to us. And hey, turns out, guys, a lot of people listen to us. Feels good. And thank you for hyping the podcast up. Thanks, Rusty, for hyping oh, always, us up. Always, we're yeah. probably riding your coattails at this point. Yeah. I, I think it's the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> symbiotic well mutual admiration society that we are uh no rusty is the fucking man his his stuff is always incredible incredibly insightful and well worth your time and i know that you've garnered a a very big following uh, definitely among people that i know like i know i I have a lot of friends who are jealous that uh that they don't get to talk to you on the regular and ask you about like data mapping or 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 in adrian's case about punk rock so I'd be happy to do that. And for the record, I mean, beer and pizza always helps. <laughs> that drew me here today. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we'll certainly have you back on. Um, again, Twitter, it's Rust Belt Geo. Right. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Cool. All right. Well, guys, I think that's a wrap for this week. Any, any closing thoughts? No. All right, that's it. Diamond, Diamond Jim says no. Diamond Jim says no. That's it. Diamond Jim says no. All right, guys, have a great week. Yeah.